0: It sounds like. Yeah, this is playoff basketball. Time to tap into playoff mode. That nonstop, claw your way to the top, give it all you got type of thing. From inside the paint to outside the arena. Where did this come from? Everybody's got to get in playoff mode and stay in playoff mode. Every single round. The NBA playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN,
2: and TNT.
1: And welcome uh, to another live episode of the Geek
2: Buddy! <laughs> Hey! You got a guest guest host, Fixit Felix, over here. What's happening?
1: <laughs> I, like it, I like it. I like it. I don't have my uh, Wreck-It Ralph hands with me. <laughs> I'd pull those out. we uh, we'd remember Halloween, circa whatever that year that was, two thousand twelve, maybe eleven. I don't even remember.
0: I really we had were. to rush to put this on while that while the intro music was playing.
1: You're a quick one, Champ.
0: Why do you wear those flash shirts all the time?
1: Um, well, uh, welcome everybody to another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. We're excited that you're joining us. There's a lot of heated conversations off camera before we started. to we'll see how much of that's going to bleed into our discussions today. So I think you guys are in for a doozy of an episode for sure. But first, let's introduce ourselves. My name is John Roque. I'm a writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation.
2: I am Michael Vogel. I'm a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies.
0: And my name is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. And I also went as Fix-It Felix in Halloween many years ago with my buddy John Rocha, who went as Wreck-It Ralph.
2: That I did. That I did. You guys had a a couple years of uh, good kind of duo costumes together, didn't you? Did we? I don't remember yeah, that we I think did. You one or two others maybe. Maybe I'm
1: just making that up in my head. I don't know. Probably, probably. I, I got pretty lazy after a while. I mean the Ralph was pretty much my What do you call that? My apex in terms apex. of the apex. No sir. Yeah.
2: No sir. Elvis was your ape. Elvis was your peak. <laughs> well, and
0: also the one year you went as the <laughs> Space fair.
2: Cowboy too, right? Oh, Space
0: Cowboy <laughs> was fun. Oh, <laughs> Space Cowboy was good.
2: Yeah, that's a uh, back Space in Space Cowboy old was a good one.
0: But that's I think true. but I think as a as a as a trio as as a yeah. awesome, actually, when we yeah. went as uh, members of the Justice League for the ridiculous obstacle course oh, race many years yes. ago, I think that With, I think that may have been the apex. Right. With, well,
2: it was a it was a it was a what a quadro a quad a quartet quartet a quad-tet. Jesus! Yeah, it's a quartet because <laughs> uh, Justin Bowler came as the Green Lantern, right? our friend, just, our friend Justin did. Bowler. He
0: really went on out. He actually sewed an insignia to his Under Armour shirt, and then yeah green face paint and if any of you all have done anything like a ridiculous obstacle course race or a spartan race you know you get very wet and you get very dirty and by the end that green paint <laughs> is just, I'm, I'm surprised it didn't blind him
1: yeah that's for sure uh yeah we did that it was a lot of fun those were the days uh you know but we've all moved on we're all older now we don't dress up anymore uh, and we missed Comic-Con. But I thank everybody who joined us last week for a live episode of the Geek Buddies. We had a really great time on that one, about an hour and a half or a little bit more than that. And uh, here uh, getting to talk to you all was a lot of fun, getting you all to come in live, uh, hearing your super chats and your stream labs, your questions coming through as well. We all had a really great time. And I think there's this vibe that we want to do more of these a little more frequently. So we might just do some extra live streams, maybe down the road, uh, as we uh, become more and more comfortable doing them as a trio. Uh, gentlemen, yes? Yeah. That yeah, sounds definitely. good. Yeah. Your hair is unusually uh, long, Mike, I, that I've seen in quite some time.
2: You got, it makes you look a little younger. I like it. It's uh, it's really good. You know, not Thank that you're not you young for already, but calling me younger. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna get it cut tomorrow, but uh, it's getting a little big on top. It's getting a little yeah. ugly. But you know, this is my uh, this is my quarantine do. It's, it's, it's how I how I it's how I do in quarantine. <laughs> Are you having to drive out of town to do it?
1: Because like, L A. County, yeah, L A. County is shut down all the haircuts unless you do it outside.
2: No, no, no. I go, I go, I go to a a, a, a good friend of mine who does it outside. Oh. Yeah, Mike Mike has his personal stylist.
1: Oh, we're there.
0: Okay. (laughs) Okay, all right. He's not denying it. No, of course he isn't. (laughs) I don't know.
2: know. It's not... Not something a brother needs to deny. It's a good thing. <laughs> oh, well, now he's a brother. All right.
1: Uh, all right. So hey, here we go. Here we go. Uh, let's jump into a lot of things. For those of you who are new to the show, thank you so much for taking a chance on us or for downloading it if you're listening to us on the podcast feed. And for those of you who are uh, returning uh, fans and followers of the Geek Buddies, thank you very much for staying on the train and for downloading us yet again this week. Uh, for those of you who are new, the way we do these things is each one of us picks out a geek news item, presents it, we talk about it for a few minutes. And then uh, we go. We take a little bit of a break uh, for our podcast listeners to hear to our sponsors, and then we get into our main topic. And our main topic today is kind of influenced by the recent Nurse Ratchet uh, uh, trailer that was dropped from Netflix with Sarah Paulson playing the classic character from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, uh, and us exploring the idea if we should stop redeeming villains or if we enjoy the fact that studios and production companies are taking on these villains and putting them in a whole new light. So we're going to get into all of that. In our main event or main topic for sure uh but first let's start uh with mulan who wants to take that one Uh, i guess i think you you do okay i guess i do well well ladies and gentlemen was announced (laughs) yesterday on social media when you're listening to us uh, two days ago uh it was announced on social media that disney plus will have uh, a mulan available for people to stream uh for a price a video on demand price of $29.99 That's essentially $30, Uh, but if you're a Disney Plus subscriber, you'll be able to keep it once you pay the $30 on the stream and not have to repay the $30 so you can watch it ad nauseum as long as you're a Disney Plus subscriber. This has caused all kinds of shockwaves throughout social media, not necessarily that it was dropped, but the price point that it's being dropped at for Video On Demand is the highest we've seen yet during this whole pandemic. Gentlemen, do you like this idea for Disney, first of all? Do you think it'll yield positive profits for them? And third of all, do you think this
0: is the right way to go with this particular film? So that's a multi, multi three prong question. Um, yeah, I, I like that they're releasing this. I, I think it's, you know, it's we, we don't know when movies are going to be safely be able to open back in the States. Right. Um I think they said they're going to be releasing it everywhere on Disney Plus that that Disney Plus is available. Exactly, but, it, but it, it'll still be released in some theaters internationally where those theaters can can open safely. Right, I, I, I think it's absolutely the right move. Um, as far as the price point, it it surprises me the the pushback that it's getting. It's pretty loud pushback, yeah. The, the the films that have been made uh, available on PVOD, these. Uh, they're of a certain ilk. Mm. Um th- there is like I, I, I don't I was surprised that people were okay paying $20 for trolls. I mean mm. again if you have if you have a house full of children it's probably yeah, you don't have, you, don't, you don't
2: have kids and need that 90 minute break.
0: Right. 100% but even like the King of Staten Island which I yeah. which I rented and I thought it was I thought it was a good movie. Like nobody pushed back at that the fact that you're getting a Hollywood blockbuster film Yeah. On, on your television for $10 more, again, if you have, if there are two people in your home, that's, that's, that's two movie tickets. Yeah. If you have more than two people in your home, it's, it's even less. And granted, you're not getting the experience of the theater, which is an experience that just is not available to us right now. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised at the pushback and also the people who are pushing back and the fact they already have Disney Plus, but they then have to pay extra it's like, yeah. I mean, eventually, this movie will just come to Disney Plus. I don't know when. I don't think it's going to be like the sort of three week, three week window that like Onward had. I right. think it'll be for you know a, a little bit of time. But yeah, I'm 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 excited to see it. I'm happy to have something new to watch. I mean, I haven't been spending any money on movie tickets, mm-hmm. so I got thirty dollars to burn on Mulan. Okay. All right, uh, Mikey. What's your thoughts on this?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, I think we've been saying this for months and months. We're just kind of waiting for it to eventually happen. But the further that things get pushed back and like once Tenet got pushed and like we knew that July was out for movies, uh, you know, it was only a matter of time before a couple of these movies kind of went the streaming route. I think it's interesting because Shannon's not wrong that logically – uh this is not any different than trolls or scoob or invisible man or any of the movies that have come out where or onward i mean i think you're looking at onward as the case like onward was available on vod for three four weeks like basically a month yeah Uh, so if you wanted to pay that money you really wanted to watch onward you really wanted something new to watch you could pay that money and then it went to disney Mm plus for free right um because you pay for Disney plus and you're paying for Disney plus to get the thing. And I think it's a psychological thing. And I'm really curious to see because a lot of people I know Mm -hmm. who would absolutely pay the money on streaming on iTunes to like watch Mulan if they really wanted to, uh, are saying they're not going to pay the money. And I think it's a psychological thing that Disney plus is you pay your subscription to Disney plus to get the things that they give you. And now that you're adding this, but you can get this extra. It's just rubbing people the wrong way, which I get it's I mean, I'm going to pay for it. I, I, yeah. I am in the same boat as Shannon that I haven't gone to the movies in since March. Right. Uh, I'm more than happy to have something new to watch. I'm more than happy to pay the money. Uh, I would spend about 30 bucks between parking and a movie ticket and popcorn and a soda and buying peanut M&Ms for Johnny. So I would absolutely spend that same amount of money. Um, And so I'll do it. But it will be interesting to see. You know, Bob Chapek made the point when they announced this, that this was a one-off. This He says, yes. this is not something they're going to start doing regularly, that you're going to have Disney Plus and then you're going to have your premium movies, that they're just yeah. doing this as a one-off. But I do think they're going to see how it goes. And I think that based on people's reactions and ultimately based on how many people actually pay that 30 bucks, yeah. it'll be interesting to see if we see this moving forward or not. Yeah, and the thing is they're not dropping Mulan for those single dudes
1: or hanging out to watch it for thirty bucks. They're dropping Mulan for the families to try to get as many of them on board onto their streaming services to convince people to spend the $6.99 to jump into Disney and the $29.99 on top of it to be a part of the subscriber base for them. You know, they're trying to hit those numbers. What is it, 70 million or whatever they were trying to hit? They were they're still climbing towards there, trying to get there. And Bob Chapek, you mentioned him mean, he just they just announced Disney did well along with Bob Chapek. That uh, they're dropping a whole new streaming service called Star under the Star brand that's going to have a lot of Fox and FX content and some of the Disney content on it as well. That encouraged the stock to go up. So, obviously, this is all trying to stay alive in this pandemic and everything that's happening. They're trying to recoup some money. And this is kind of a trial balloon for them to see how it does with Black Widow kind of sitting in the wings, wondering where its uh, release is going to be, whether it's VOD or in the theater, or a mix of both, as Shannon pointed out, that Mulan is going to be. This is interesting to to take a look at as well. But I think this was inevitable, and the reviews to Mulan haven't been, like, overwhelmingly positive. So just like Artemis Fowl, although it's uh, nowhere near... Being being bashed like Artemis Fowl, there are some uneven and mixed receptions to the movie from the early screening that was dropped just before we went into hold this whole shutdown. So maybe in a way they know, well, we can recoup some of this money cutting out the middleman, see what we can get by dropping this thing at that high price point. Um, and I will say one last thing: the $30 thing, listen, people waste $30 on drinks, people waste $30 going out and having food. So for you to buy a a thing for $30 to have and share and whatever, you know, I think that makes
2: sense uh, uh, overall if you can afford it. Yeah, I think honestly, I don't think I think most people well, I don't want to say most people people are really struggling right now. So when you're having trouble, like, you know, figuring out how your bills are going to get paid next month because you don't know what the government is doing with unemployment and you're not sure if you're getting your job back or not, you probably don't want to spend 30 bucks and you'd be really happy if Disney Plus just put Mulan up there for free. But that being said, yeah. the people that uh, really want to see it, uh, you know, will be able to pay for it, and I do think that, as Shannon said, eventually it will be free. It really is just I I I think that they should worry a little bit about how people perceive Disney Plus because mm. Disney Plus is one of the things during this pandemic that's done really good for the Disney company. Like as the yeah. Disney parks and other areas of Disney have gone down, obviously, because people can't go to the parks and yeah. uh, or won't go to the parks or are afraid to go to the parks or what have you. Yeah. Uh, Disney Plus, while everyone's stuck at home, has been doing really well for them. Kind of to you mm. said, as you said, Johnny, like they're at, I believe it's uh, they ended of the quarter with 57.5 million, yes. which yes. is very, very close to their goal of 60 to 90 million which was their goal for 2024 so getting to that goal a lot earlier kind of thanks to the fact that everyone's stuck at home yeah, uh you right. don't want everyone to get pissed that they have to pay for mulan and then like stop their subscription i don't think that's going to happen but it's right. just something that i would be yeah you know nervous about a little yeah bit. that's that's the camp i'm in too I, I
1: i question these numbers because obviously everyone's home so yes yeah, sign up you need content parents need to put their kids in front of that television and detox for a little bit for themselves or take a break or whatever so you're going to pay that seven dollars a month if you can afford it once everything gets back to normal and productions start ratcheting up will you be able to keep those people as a subscriber base that's going to be interesting to see and you're right look uh, as of monday they crossed 60.5 million paid subscribers chapek said on the company on disney's earnings call Hitting its goal of 60 million to 90 million subscription buys 2024 four years early. That's interesting to say. Well, you know, give or take 30 million, we hit our goal. Uh, Which is the goal? It's kind of a wide base. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of say, well, I was going to lose 30 to 60 pounds. I got to 30. I'm good. I I feel like what's the choice here for real? Uh, So, uh, so uh, yeah, credit to them for crossing the 60 million mark. But how many of those are going to drop off? Once things start coming back and the demand on the dollar starts to become more important for a family and their kids are out, they have to start taking their kids places. They have to start taking them to the parks, ironically. They have to start taking them to movie theaters, taking them whatever. How much of that are you going to maintain, that $7 well, subscription?
0: Well, for and I first. think we, we had talked about this earlier, that it is mm-hmm. going to be quite some time before <laughs> things – go back to normal. If they ever go back to normal. So yeah, I yeah think, right, right. I think they'll probably be able to hold on to a large portion of those of those new subscribers because again, once they can get production going again, and it's this it's it's the US, specifically like California and Georgia that are that are having some trouble opening yeah. production back up. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I believe they only have like nine days left. Yeah. And the the smart money is that the majority of that show is ready to go they mm-hmm. just need to finish filming and then have to do the effects work on top of that. Yeah. Um second season of Mandalorian is 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 good to go. Right. WandaVision it sounds like it is good to go. So they're going to have stuff they're going to have stuff loaded into the chamber. Mm-hmm. They just, you know, we we just it's going to be a long time before people are just like, "Ah, I
2: I can I can lose my streaming services."
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, like- and also I mean, look, Disney has We've talked about this a thousand times, but you look at all the streamers, you know, everything from Netflix and Hulu to Peacock to CBS All Access to HBO Max to everything. I mean, Disney just has that built in base of the fact that families forever and ever and ever more are going to want to have a place where they can just show their kids all the Disney movies. My sister does it with my niece. She watches every Disney movie. So they've got like a strong base. Right. And as long as they can keep adding new stuff. And the question here is. Is adding something at a price point a new model for streamers? Or is yeah. it something that people are going to get super pissed about and say, no, thank you, ma'am? I,
1: I, I wonder because I bet we wouldn't have heard this kind of pushback because it's usually, you know, the nerds getting the pushback. I, I would imagine that there wouldn't be any pushback if Black Widow was dropped for $30. I don't think there'd be anything to this level. if they, I, and, I, no. and I wouldn't be – real quick to finish my point, And real quick, I, I wouldn't be surprised – if it dropped for $39.99 when they, do, when they finally do do it as a way of like kind
2: of testing how far they can push the market out, you know? I don't think it's the price point and I don't think it's the movie. I think that it's the format. I, wait, I think wait, but people, people are
1: literally complaining that it's too much on on social media. How can yeah. you say it's not the price point?
2: Because if any of these movies, granted, all these other movies that have been released on VOD, it's $10 less, yes. but- it's not the ten dollars, I don't think, so much as the format. All of those movies are released on iTunes for via or wherever you get your VOD. Yeah, to, Netflix, you mean so to like, purchase, but to purchase where right. where you are used to going. I am used to going on my Apple TV to iTunes right. movies, and if I want to watch something, I can purchase it or rent it, and it goes to my iTunes account. Like I am used to that. That is the Apple format that Apple has had from day one. So going yeah. to get Onward, which is a Pixar movie for twenty right. bucks on itunes because i bought it early because i really wanted to watch it i'm not ashamed to admit it i knew i could watch it for free for three weeks later but i was like i don't care i bought it uh so i bought it there and that's fine uh and i think that nobody had an issue with that when you subscribe to something the entire concept of a subscription network whether you subscribe to hbo or you subscribe to hbo max or you subscribe to netflix or hulu or disney plus or any of them the concept is you pay the money and this is what you get for your money. So kind of the, I think what people are objecting to is less, oh, my God, this is $10 more than every other movie that's come out. And the objection is more, whoa, 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 I subscribe to this thing because every commercial said I was going to get all this Disney content for my $7 a month. Now you're yeah. telling me I get it for $7 a month except for this movie that I have to give you another $30 for. I don't like it. Yeah. I disagree because that's literally what Amazon Prime
0: is. There, when you subscribe to Amazon Prime, you have access to to their library, but then there are also the things that you can pay extra for. But I don't. I don't. What Am- I-
2: but it's what Amazon Prime has been from day one, and it's not right. what the others are. It's 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 the it is it is simply the this is what I, I'm. Not, I mean, are you can disagree or agree. I don't care. But like, it is the. <laughs> I'm glad. It it is the it is the. Uh, you are changing the rules of what the right. deal was that you made with somebody. Like, and you don't change more. Yeah, I get yeah. yeah. Like, if Amazon was Amazon from day one, the same way that iTunes is iTunes from day one, yeah. I don't get shocked when iTunes says you've got to pay this much to rent a movie because that's what it's always been. If I started going on Disney Plus all of a sudden and I had to pay, eight ten dollars for a marvel movie because it was premium uh and then three months later it was going to be not premium and go to disney plus i'd probably start getting a little pissed after a while and i think that most of the people that i have seen complain who or who have complained to me are the people that are more than happy to pay the money for a movie they don't have an issue with that but their issue is i don't like that disney plus is doing that that's bullshit yeah, so but,
0: so from okay. your point of view disney plus is darth vader and the consumers are lando Calrissian. And they keep changing the deal. right don't change.
2: Sure, sure. Let's go with that.
0: <laughs> I mean,
2: look—you can't
1: deny that Disney has a little Vader-esque aspects to them. But I—I I understand this uh situation here. What Michael's presenting, I think there is an element of both. There's only people go like thirty dollars for a movie while I sit at home. No way. But also, hey, I'm already paying seven dollars. Why do I need to pay thirty more? to have this thing. And yes, I don't have to repay for it. I keep it as long as I keep the service, uh, which is essentially what you do with Apple as well. Now, if you buy a movie, if you unsubscribe from Apple, you don't get to keep that movie on your Apple service or whatever. You have to find another way to get that movie to to own it or to have it digitally available for you, like download it to your hard drive in some way or copy it over. Once you unsubscribe from Apple, you lose that movie. If you bought it and you just have only kept it on your Apple service that's the uh, the situation there. But Michael makes an interesting point. Yeah, they kind of changing the rules a little bit. But then again, it is a pandemic, so why would you expect them not to change the rules? And I think a little bit different here Michael is what you brought up the onward situation works but we had already we knew it had already come out in the theaters, like Frozen 2. We knew that it had already come out in the theaters, so it's a different point. This is more of an unknown quantity, right? We don't know what we have and it's is a, essentially a premium release of a film on VOD. So to me, I don't have a problem that they're charging extra for it. Cause I'm used to understanding that in the world, in the real world for premium extra stuff that is above and beyond what you normally would get in a service that you're paying for. This is a, you, you will have to pay extra like ESPN plus, which is a, 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 under this banner as well. You pay six 99 a month for ESPN plus, which is great. I love paying the $7 I get a lot of content, a lot of documentaries. However, if I want to watch UFC pay-per-view, which is they have UFC content, I have to pay $55 extra for that pay-per-view. Do I ever pay it? Fuck no. But it's there if I want to have it. So that's the thing at the end of the day. I think they're borrowing from that model and trying it out here on Disney+. And don't be surprised if this goes well. This will start being a legitimate option for some movies going forward for them to try to kind of build up the subscriber base as they're trying to do
2: anyone else i i can see them i mean assuming that this does well which despite people's complaints i think it will yeah. uh i i do think that down the line what were i disney and this was the way and this was the model in the post in the post covid world with movie theaters being a different kind of thing than they are now i could see places like disney plus and hbo max kind of adding a new category that is the new release category that like you kind of like you can go to a separate area of the streaming service and here's everything you get for free you click on new releases and this is where you know that you're going to like pay for the premium or something like that like i could see that happening
1: yeah, and we'll keep a tab on on Disney right now. Looking at the CNBC report on them for this quarter, the media networks were down 2% at $6.56 billion. The parks, which was the massive loss for them, they were down 85% at a $983 million loss. Studio Entertainment 1.74 billion. That's down 55 percent. But the direct to consumer internet and international numbers, those are up by two percent at 3.97 billion. Mikey, you've been an executive. You worked in the studios. Bob Chapek is specifically a direct to consumer guy. Do you think that it's almost a-, a stroke of blind dumb luck that they were able to move him into this position uh, over Bob Iger, so they were better equipped as a company to handle this pandemic than maybe any other company or any other studio? Or is that too much of a stretch?
2: I, I think that I don't think I don't think that any of the moves that he's made have been so. I don't think that Bob Shafik has done. I don't think Bob Shafik has done anything so revolutionary between okay. coming on in, uh, you know, uh, uh, late February, early March to now that okay. has been. Oh God, it's so good that he's here instead of Iger. I think he's. I think okay. Disney's doing fine given all of the things that every company is dealing with. But I don't think that they. Uh, have like blown everyone out of the water with some brilliant master stroke of like that's how you go direct to consumer. Okay, well we were talking, yeah, we we'll the Mulan thing. Is. Yeah, and I
1: bring it up because I mean Shannon was saying uh, I don't want to reveal too much. Shannon that as a friend who has had bought stock in Disney, it when it when it looked like it was losing at the beginning of the pandemic, and now it's making money. So maybe Chapek has made some moves here. Maybe and, and we'll do it. And I'm sure they'll do the analysis months right. down the road to see if these moves actually led. To uh, Disney
2: surviving this situation better than most other companies, I don't know. I mean, I think, and again, you—if you were going to attribute this to anybody, you would attribute it to Iger. But like, I think Disney Plus itself has really helped Disney yeah. navigate, like, uh, survive all of this because they are three years ahead on their subscriber base and doing yeah. so well right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we'll see what happens uh, once everything is back to normal. And those deals uh, run out too. I'm on I haven't paid a dime for Disney Plus cuz I got it as part of the Verizon situation. So, but I don't know if I'll necessarily stay with it unless I can write it off as a business expense for the things I do. We'll see. Um all right, let's move on to our second topic. That took a long time. Sorry, gang, 25 <laughs> minutes. All right, who's uh, who's got the next one?
0: Yeah, speaking of Disney properties, just today on their Twitter account, Avatar released some concept art for a new vehicle. It's called the crab suit, a human driven multifunction submersible. It actually looks like a crab and it has two modes when it's outside of the water. It looks like a crab when it's inside of the water, the six arms sort of uh, retract and it becomes just like a, like a little, like a little submarine. So so yeah, John Landau released that. And then uh, uh, the uh, Avatar's official Twitter released it as well. Mm. Um, So Avatar Avatar 2 is one of those movies that has just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. (laughs) Um, Before we started recording, I looked it up, and I didn't know this. Avatar 2 was originally uh, slated to come out in December of 2014. Yeah, yeah. Avatar 3 was going to be 2015. At that time, it was only going to be three movies, and it kept getting delayed. Then he added a fourth. Then he added a fifth. And yeah. then just recently, it was pushed back until December of 2021. Now, mm-hmm. when Avatar came out, that was just as the big, the the crest of the 3D, the 3D push was happening. And because yeah. Cameron specifically filmed stuff with 3D in mind, it was an amazing experience. Then we got to see how all the other studios tried to replicate it. And 3D has slowly sort of started to, to, started to fade away a little bit. Yeah. At this point... 2021, 11 years after the first movie comes out with three movies that are going to come out after it, Do are we excited? Do we really care about this anymore? I mean, I know we should never bet against James Cameron, but at this point, 11 years later, does this concept art get you guys jazzed for Avatar 2?
1: I, I think the con I have no surprise in my mind that they've done something pretty cool and amazing. Certainly Cameron's been an incredible visual filmmaker for many decades, so no surprise. Do I want to see an avatar too? I'll tell you what, because we've been so desperate for entertainment or for anything right now, all of a sudden I'm like, yeah. I mean, I think <laughs> I'd be more excited now to see it than I was before. If there had been the glut of entertainment that we had had scheduled to come out over the, these last few months, I don't think I would be as jazzed. But I love the concept art. I love the look of this stuff. So, gets me excited. The underwater thing is something he has been talking about since day one, trumping trumpeting it since day one. And uh, from all reports, it's supposed to be one of the most revolutionary things we've ever seen. There were uh, pieces of it used in uh, *Alita: Battle Angel* to kind of give an that they were working out that they were going to be using an avatar as well. So, you get a sample of that. There. So for me personally, yes, I'm excited right now. Let's get a trailer. Let's get this thing going once and for all. I'm sick and tired of talking about five of these movies coming out and none of them have come out yet. Mike. Uh, I love avatar.
2: I loved it in the theaters. I saw it five or six times in the movie theater. Love it at home. I watch it all the time. My brother loves it. Uh, like I think Avatar is great. Do I think it's Dances with Wolves meets Ferngoli at The Last Rainforest? 100% I do. That is what it is. Do I think that James Cameron sometimes isn't the best with his dialogue when he's writing a screenplay? I do. Do I think unobtainium is a stupid word? Yes. But yeah. I love Avatar. Yeah. I think it's great. I think the Na'vi looks super cool. I think the special effects still hold up when you watch it. Like, I think it's a world that I completely believe in. Yeah. Um, I think that there's a lot of really interesting stuff in it. I love going to Animal Kingdom in Orlando and hitting up Pandora and riding Flights of Passage. So, like, I'm down, and as you said at the beginning, Shannon, I also will never ever bet against James Cameron. A, he seems very mean sometimes, and I don't (laughs) want him to yell at me. Uh, But B, um, I don't think every movie he's made is the best movie ever, but I don't think he's ever made a bad one. Okay. I mean, there's people that hate Avatar. So yeah, if you hate Avatar, sure. But like, I mean, his track record is pretty fantastic. He's never come out with a dud. Maybe Avatar is his white whale. Maybe the fact that these movies are taking so long, like we're going to get to this and we're going to be like, wow, he thought this was a really great movie with legs and it does not have it. But I would not, uh, I wouldn't bet against him. And also I just think it it may be coming out. It How do I say this? we've had like a rough run of our brands like we're, we're still living in that era of the big branded entertainment um we've been living through a little bit of a marvel dry spell hopefully whenever black widow comes along we'll dive back in but like you know end game came out it was the end of an era we're waiting to see if marvel's going to carry that forward uh dc a lot of individual hits a lot of good uh good singles for a sports term Right. but uh but, you know they oh, haven't whoa. necessarily uh right. but they haven't necessarily created an engaging <laughs> world that we can get obsessed with right.
0: and you know
2: harry potter is problematic right now so <laughs> you know i think that maybe oh, right we are maybe we are in a harry potter was always problematic it has become more so lately um so i'm there just saying are. that like with with the fact that sort of I think that if Avatar came on strong and it really worked, the fact that there's these five movies in a giant world to leap into, maybe that first Avatar would set the stage and it didn't, you know, we've all talked about this, that biggest movie of the year, one of the biggest money makers of all time when it came out and it's not something that people talk about the way they talk about Disney movies or Harry Potter or the Marvel Cinematic Universe or any of those other things. And maybe these movies will get Avatar to that place uh and we'll have another world that people or an entire new generation of kids will be obsessed about yeah who knows now being the
0: one person of the three of us who has been to uh pandora at animal kingdom when you got there and it was it was pretty soon after it opened when you went right i've been twice
2: but yeah the first time i went it was pretty soon after it opened
0: was there that kind of wonder when you got there amongst the other guests when they got to pandora for the first time like i think about when i went to galaxy's edge the first time on the with the employee preview and there was just a my god was there anything like that with pandora
2: there is not necessarily because people are people don't have the same uh reverence for the avatar brand that they do for the star wars brand but when you walk into pandora And you are immersed and you look up and you see these floating rocks floating above you and the music of the Navi people and just the immersion. And then when you go back over there at nighttime and all of the plants are glowing and the street is like, uh, you know, it's got fluorescent markings everywhere. And it's just, it's a whole other experience. Like they've done such an amazing job creating this immersive environment and the whole concept of the Na'vi and what Pandora is fits so well in with, and with animal kingdom sort of conservation message. And although I still haven't ridden rise of the resistance, which may blow it out of the water flights of passage is the greatest theme park ride I've ever been on in my entire life. Like wow. co- uh, conceptually, the way I actually had to go look up when you, when I, when I first wrote it, I was like, how is this even happening? It's magic. <laughs> uh, and I went and looked at a YouTube video and like, more or less it's the same as Soren over California to a degree. I mean, you're like you're kind of sent out in towards this big screen, but with the 3D technology that James Cameron worked with the Imagineers on and the way that the ecron that you're on works and everything else, like you're immersed, like you are flying through Pandora. So I think that they've done such a good job of creating a area of the park that is so immersive, whether you like Avatar or not, mm. um, that if they can get these movies on that level, kids will you know, be obsessed about the Navi for you know, like it'll be great if we have like a bunch of kids a generation from now that talk about the Navi that we talk about the way we talk about like stormtroopers. And we're gonna be like, ah, in our day Avatar wasn't all that, you crazy kids, get off my lawn. <laughs> sure. Sure. All
1: right. I like it. Good way to end it. All right. Next segment, what do we what do we get into next?
2: Uh, Well, uh, it was just announced uh, this week um, that Comedy Central has greenlit a reimagined take on a classic Nickelodeon and Spike series, Ren and Stimpy. Uh, i think of it as a nickelodeon series but there was a more adult version that was on spike i think only three episodes actually aired um but yeah so we're gonna get a brand new ren and stimpy on comedy central so for all of you 90s nickelodeon fans that's big (laughs) big news uh but actually what's really interesting about it is this just kind of continues in a long line um from nickelodeon and viacom cbs um where they've greenlit a daria spinoff called jody uh, right. There's an updated version of Beavis and Butthead coming, and from Lord and Miller, an updated version of Clone High coming. Um, and this also goes along with this week, uh, Lower Decks coming out on CBS All Access, the animated Star Wars show, or Star Trek show, sorry. Trek. Which So what's really interesting, Ren and Stimpy is very exciting. It was such a weird show in the 90s when it came out, and just like was right on the cusp of like, is this really appropriate for kids or not? And I think what's really interesting is, uh, you know, kind of as we were talking about earlier with Mulan, but with all of the streaming services out there and with everybody kind of vying for entertainment and vying for trying to find that thing that's going to draw people in, we're taking a lot of these shows that were either on Nickelodeon in the 90s or MTV or other places and we are reimagining them, but we're reimagining them for adult audiences. So we are finally kind of, it looks like we're, we already have some great stuff. You've got BoJack Horseman. Um, obviously Archer, uh, uh, Big Mouth. I mean, there's a lot that's out there right now, but like, I think that we are on the cusp of having even more adult animation um than we've ever had before because yeah. what they are discovering um is that when it comes to adult animation there's a lot of repeat viewing i mean i think hulu's numbers on rick and morty are like just through the roof not only yeah. more people coming to hulu to watch rick and morty for the first time but people watching the shows over and over and over again i think netflix right. is experiencing the same thing right now with avatar the last airbender which even though that's technically a kid slash family show definitely has a lot of adult fans. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with a reimagined Ren and Stimpy, uh, how far they push the envelope into adult animation and, uh, and what it is. So what do you guys think? Uh, You know,
0: Ren and Stimpy came out when I was uh, at a time in my life when I was very much hiding my geek side and really focused on girls. So, I don't have the nostalgic connection to it at all. Why is that such a shock, John? I just,
1: it's interesting. I'm, you know, when I put down the red and Stimpy, I'm going to pick up the ladies. It just seems weird to me, but okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Go
2: ahead. But, but yeah, I, just get picture, I get this image of you as a kid going like red and Stimpy. <laughs> The ladies, the ladies. Stimpy, <laughs> The ladies.
1: You're
2: like, oh, I can only choose one.
0: <laughs>
1: you know the Bible says when you become an adult, you put away childish things. <laughs> All right.
0: I don't. I don't feel like uh, saying Stimpy, you idiot" to to a girl is a great is a great <laughs> come online. But yeah, it just came out. It came out at a time, and it was popular at a time that I was not really uh, not really uh, very into animation. Yeah. So. I don't have that nostalgic connection to it. I, I did see bits from it back then. And even then I was like, this is odd and, and it's, and it's kind of gross. And I don't, I don't really, resp- I don't respond to that type of comedy. I didn't see the reboot that came out that uh, was a little more, that skewed a little more uh, adult. Uh, yeah. So I don't see me personally revisiting this, but as we have said many times, if, if, if a property has any sort of brand awareness uh, a, a studio is going to try to exploit that. Yeah. So it's not a surprise that they would do it. It's just not going to be for me, probably.
2: Yeah. I think that was a very long explanation of getting to you saying that the show was just a little too blue for you. That you were just, it's a little too, that Brennan Stimpy was a little bit too gross, a little bit too weird, a little bit too like, you, you watched it, you were like, little, little young Shannon was like, good Lord, this is not the Smurfs. <laughs> My heavens. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What about the latest?
2: Uh, anyway, uh,
1: I, I don't have much to add to this because I wasn't a Ren and Stimpy watcher, so I don't know much about it. I think I saw maybe one episode, one or two episodes, so it wasn't my jam. But I respect the fact that we should talk about it on the show because I know a lot of the people who watch us love 90s animated television, so they're probably incredibly excited to be having this come back. So, uh, And you're right, Mike, uh, a lot of this animation, the adult animation is really picking up steam and also these... Uh, these uh, animated series making a comeback, just like the live action series. I mean, we got announced this morning as we're recording this uh, that Who's the Boss is coming back with Tony Danza and Alyssa Milano, for the, for God's sakes. Uh, so it's crazy. Who is Samantha Mona? Uh, I can't imagine uh, Tony Danza as the grandfather because apparently Alyssa is going to be a single mom trying to raise her kids. And, of course, Tony's going to show up and do his thing. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, what's old is new again. You know how it is? Fuller house? Same situation, so I'm not surprised by this. Let
0: me ask you: this. Did you guys watch Clone High? No, I knew what it was, but I didn't watch it. No. Did you watch Daria? Yes, I did watch Daria. Okay, I saw more of Daria.
2: I liked. Did you watch? Did you watch Doug?
0: No. What's
2: Doug? Oh, oh, it's
0: man. a Nickelodeon show where all the kids are different primary colors. I think. Yeah, nah, man.
2: <laughs> Patty is man, I was
0: come sports, on, sports dog. I was
1: watching. those was in my twenties back. Well,
2: As we all know, I did not have to make the choice between uh, Geeky Cartoons and the Ladies. Uh, Oh my God, we get it. You're gay, we get it. Went down my own road, but... uh... Both figuratively
0: and literally. Yeah, hitting some singles there, I bet. Hey-oh. All right, anyway,
1: let's take a quick break, and we'll jump into our main event, or main topic. I keep saying main events. I don't know if my mind's still caught up in the damn out for this past Friday, which I lost. Uh, anyway, uh, let's jump into uh, a big, a uh, little bit of a break here, and uh, here uh, for those of you who are listening to us on the podcast, listen to our sponsors, and for those who are listening, watching us on YouTube, just uh, about five seconds, we'll be right back. All right. Anyway, uh, so our main subject today, I brought this up to the guys, wanted to see if they want to discuss it because it's kind of been, uh, what what do they call it? Burr? A crawl, Something. It's stuck in my crawl. Stuck in my crawl. It's a burr in my saddle. It's a boil on my foot. And this idea uh, is... A a fly in the ointment? fly in the ointment. Bats in the belfry. What a maroon. Uh, Anyway, there's... uh, recently and we just saw uh, as we're recording this yesterday a trailer for Nurse Ratchet which is coming from Netflix starring Sarah Paulson the great Sarah Paulson uh, as the iconic character that Ellen Burstyn or Louise no I'm sorry Louise Fletcher Became uh, brought to fame in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, a younger version, essentially a prequel, although I do believe that she's the same age as Louise Fletcher was when she did it for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. But we're going back a little bit in time to see this kind of, like, fantastical uh, approach to this story. And it got me thinking about the idea that we're seeing recently uh, from numerous places, and really from Disney mostly, of them revisiting these villains and presenting them in a new point of view and i wanted and it's been bothering me and i wanted to talk about it with the guys and they were willing to have this as a main topic so uh, let's get into it are you guys happy with seeing this because my overall point is does this ruin the fact that when you watch the original content that presented these people as villains does it ruin you ruin it for you to go back and go like well maybe they shouldn't have
2: you know maybe beast uh, shouldn't have pushed gaston off the top of the thing blah 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 first of all beast didn't push him he just kind of knocked his arm back and gaston fell uh, but uh, anyways uh. um uh well first of all just talking about ratchet like yeah, yeah. that trailer that trailer is fantastic absolutely uh, <laughs> Ryan Murphy, this this overall deal that Netflix did with Ryan Murphy for something like three hundred million, whatever the five year deal that they did with him, uh, he's just been prolific. I mean, between the politician and Hollywood and this and like, there's just there's so much happening and going on with what he's doing. I Ryan Murphy's really hit or miss to me. yeah, I think that everything he shoots is beautiful and gorgeous. I think he's got an amazing voice. I think he's got a really great sensibility. I sometimes feel like after you get into two or three episodes of his shows, or especially into second and third seasons, mm-hmm. uh, it sort of just goes a little bit all over the place and you sort of lose the thread and it just kind of becomes a mishmash of ridiculousness. So I think he does a lot better with sort of anthology things like American Horror Story or things where he's just kind of telling a shorter thing that kind of has a beginning and end point. Yeah. Um, I know Ratchet, I believe is 18 episodes, which is a big order. Uh, you know, usually yeah. I, I believe I read that. Like it's usually it's like the 10 episodes, 13 episodes. This is 18 episodes. So it seems yeah. like they've got a big story they want to tell. But um, before we get into the main topic that you wanted to discuss, I just think oh. I would honestly watch Sarah Paulson do almost anything. Like watching, yeah. watching Sarah Paulson yell at somebody about eating her peach in that trailer <laughs> for Ratchet was one of the most like intense things I've seen about a peach since Call Me By Your Name. Like it was, it was a uh, lot, it was a lot. Well, Parasite. I, yeah, but that's that was pretty intense too. Well, and when it comes to this particularly, I have a confession. I've actually never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh, I've I've never... I know, I know.
1: Uh, (laughs) But I'm an asshole for not seeing Ren and Stimpy. What are you talking
2: about? So I've never seen One Flew Over the Fair. It's fair. Uh, If it had had been animated, I probably would have seen it. Um, I've never seen One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So for me, this is going to be more of like an introduction into this character that I'm not really familiar with. And then maybe I'll go back and watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest after. Uh, So I don't really have that issue here. Uh, In general... Um, I think it really just depends on the property. I think some properties have handled it really well and have made their own mark on it and some properties feel like they're trying too hard is kind of my overall and we can get into specifics in a minute but Shannon what are your thoughts? Yeah I thought the Ratchet
0: trailer was fantastic I mean it had a very similar aesthetic to Hollywood which is uh, Ryan Murphy's most recent Netflix uh, antho- not anthology series but limited series. Um, yeah it's a beautiful looking trailer and from the tone of it, from what I took, I don't think it's trying to redeem that character at all. I think you're witnessing, I, I wouldn't even say the birth of the monster. I think the monster is already there. Yeah, um, but it's done in such a gleeful way in the bright colors. That's to get you to cheer for her, to like her, to see her as a protagonist. That's troubling for me. I—I I, See, I disagree. I don't think it's... I, I think you can, you can get some enjoyment out of a moment if you've got two assholes and one is a bigger asshole. Um, But I don't, I don't think they're trying to make her at least from the trailer and the trailer is two and a half minutes. I mean, I don't think the the tone is that they are not trying to redeem her as a character. They're kind of just showing you this is where this horrible person came from. And this is how maybe she became more horrible. I don't know. Um, But I I do agree with Mike about the Ryan Murphy of it all that you get into multiple seasons of stuff. And he does kind of go off the rails a little bit. I think I mean 18 episodes already. I'm like, ah, that's uh that's that's a big count because most Netflix series, if they're if they're a drama, they're not 42 minutes, they are an hour. So that's an 18 hour story you're telling.
1: And you throw in Bates Motel oh, sorry, sorry, Mike, go oh, yeah. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was saying you throw in Bates Motel, that's another one, right? The kind of redeemed Norman, a little or exp- okay. Okay, so let me clarify. Maybe I should clarify a little bit further. Maybe I mean by explaining it in kind of an indirect way, you're redeeming them by understanding them. You're almost excusing the behavior that they do later on in the source material that you're deriving the character or taking the character from and creating a backstory for. Well, you know, and I think that's what frustrates me a
2: little bit. Yeah, but- I I could be wrong about this. I very, much, I very much may be wrong, but I don't. I think that popular right culture, think. I think that this whole idea of redeeming the villain in pop culture, mm-hmm. uh, it, this might not have been the first version of it, but this is when it really took off and became a thing that you started seeing all the time, yeah. was, was with the success of Wicked. So I think Wicked, the novel came out and mm-hmm. you saw this sort of retelling of the Wicked Witch of the West story. Uh, and it, the book did really well. And I think that that author, he went on to write some other books that didn't do as well. If you've ever read Wicked, the book, it's soups weird. Yeah. I read it; it's very weird. Now, Wicked, the musical, is great. It's one yeah. of my favorite musicals, and that's what it is. I mean, this is the story of Oz from Elphaba's standpoint, from the wizard, yeah. of Oz, from the Wicked Witch's standpoint. You see what led her to become wicked, what led her to become the choice, make the choices she made. It kind of casts yeah. the wizard as the bad guy, uh, you know. So, I think that that was where that took off, and after that became the mega success that the musical did, that's where you really started to see all of these versions of, you know, that's where Maleficent came from. And that's where all these Disney versions, like there's a, there's a whole series of novelizations that take a bunch of the Disney villains and kind of tell their side of the story. And even if they don't make them uh, sympathetic to Johnny's point, they at least explain the things that happened in their life that led them to become the villain that they became. And then of course the, that led all the way to this past year, which we've talked about a lot, uh joker you know which which came out and uh you know kind of uh, again i don't think makes the well i guess you could argue whether or not it makes the joker sympathetic or not but it definitely explains how he became the person that he became
1: right it's their explanation you guys asked me about joker before we started this off air and i said well it's not tied into any overall mythology that's on screen right it's been pitched as a one-off and it's a one off. So it's an Elseworld's almost approach to the idea of the Joker. And I didn't find him to be a sympathetic guy. I didn't find him to be a protagonist that I necessarily wanted to follow. But you don't cast Sarah Paulson without wanting to use her charm to make you like this person. That's in you, Shannon, you're an actor. Mikey, you've done things. You know that casting someone, a certain someone, in a role you do it so that you have people who come aboard. I mean Gandolfini was a charming guy, but he's an absolutely terrible person. Tony Soprano is uh, throughout that whole series yet yeah, people loved him. Right? Uh, Brian Cranston, people love Brian Cranston. Malcolm in the Middle, put him in this situation and have him go progressively bad throughout the seasons of that show. So that's why you do the things you do. I uh, but I I want to
2: kind of side I, <laughs> Boom, Okay. I was, I'll tell you this. Yeah. I was in a morning production meeting at Sony Television as a very young uh, manager of animation (laughs) when there was a giant argument uh, about are you seriously saying we should cast the dad for Malcolm in the Middle in this show? Wow. And there was a giant argument in the room about it. And the sense. head of casting was like, you don't know what you're talking about. He'd be perfect for this. I will always remember that. Because I was like, wow. at the time, I was like, oh, we're making some show about drugs. This is a meth show. It's the meth show. <laughs> uh, but I remember I remember an argument where somebody said, are you seriously saying we should cast the dad for Malcolm in the Middle as as this guy? And I was like, That's, oh, interesting. Um, so, so just to be clear, your issue yeah. is not Uh, making the villain the protagonist of a story. The issue is making them sympathetic.
1: Yes, making them sympathetic, making them redeemable. And I would say, uh, Michael, I think it's further back. Although uh, you could the argument may be right that Wicked works, but also Vader, right? Vader's redeemed in turn of the Jedi, taking the mask off. I mean, that 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 fool done killed a lot of people uh, and was a pretty vicious person. But I'm not saying, I'm not saying Wicked
2: was, I'm not saying
1: Wicked was the first time a villain was redeemed. But Wicked was. I'm sorry, you're wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong vader was redeemed within the movie structure this is where
2: it's plucked out and redeemed within the point of the story my bad my bad yeah i suppose you could argue that the entire nature of the prequels is more or less within world the same thing i think the difference i think the difference might be that uh and again like i guess this is just an interesting discussion on uh where where you draw the line really on whether you like it or not because george lucas the Star Wars trilogy was his story. So George Lucas going back and telling you, I'm going to tell you about these characters and how they got to this point is a choice that the storyteller who created those characters in the first place made. Whereas wicked or Maleficent or Joker or any of these other movies is a company slash creator slash person. Uh, taking an existing character that was a villain that was always meant to be a villain, that was always meant to be a supporting character in a protagonist's story or the antagonist in a protagonist's story and twisting things around to make that person something that they weren't originally intended to be. And that's what I think think Wicked represents. Wicked represents a, we are going to twist the story of Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz around to make this character sympathetic i mean
1: cobra kai is essentially that right we hated yeah. johnny for decades and all of a sudden we see this other point of view of johnny stemmed from a youtube video that someone just did to be funny to try to prove that daniel larusso was the actual villain of the karate kid series right or movies rather and others really but i look at gaston right this series coming from gaston with luke evans and uh i think josh gad's gonna re- uh, reprise Lafou there We have been told in that movie and in the live action movie, this is a very terrible guy. This is a terrible, misogynistic, sexual assaulting, leaving someone's father to die guy. Why do I need to watch a series about this dude and LeFou? Uh, It's different if if LeFou was the lead. That's an interesting story. But you're giving me Gaston. That means people have a certain charm or like Gaston, despite the fact... That he does all this terrible shit, and I think that's wrong to try to redeem this guy, or try to flesh out this guy, uh, or or have us understand this guy and how he became this thing. I think that's dangerous and could corrupt the overall point of Beauty and the Beast.
0: Ah, uh, I disagree there because I think you can have a character who does terrible things, and you can, and there can still be a charm there. I mean, that's why Gaston is a very popular character. Walking around Disneyland right now. I mean, that's yeah. why you have you have some very funny guys who who embody this character and create some some magical moments. But he's still a misogynist, a sexual assaulter and someone who left to someone's father when to is, when is he sexually? When does he sexually assault anybody?
1: He tries to corner her, he pins her against the wall. He's like he does these things that he physically against her will and tries to corner her in places and keep her from her moving freely in
2: places. I hate to break yeah. it to you, that's considered assault nowadays. I think that i think the distinction that shannon's making yeah. uh is, is not not i'm not touching the sexual assault thing but uh <laughs> part of what makes disney villains great is that they're all likable oh, disney sure. villains are sure, the most nice. popular part of a lot of the movies i mean that's right, why right. you can have full disney villain nights at disney parks yeah. like everyone from Ursula to Maleficent to Jafar to Scar to Gaston to the Evil Queen to Mad Madam Mim like you can just go down the list and people love to hate the villains they love them and I think I I don't think that when you say it's dangerous or that it can muddy the original movie I think the original movie is all always the original movie but I do think that uh I think that working too hard sometimes to make a villain the hero of their story or to twist things around to justify everything they did can actually make them less likable and less interesting as a villain. Sometimes we just yeah. love our villains being bad. And sometimes also, we don't. And
1: yeah, and Mike, sorry, real quick. And also won't it remove the kind of devilish charm that we what we like the what is it what is it when they tell you you can't eat something and then you're like oh my god now i want it
0: forbidden the
1: forbidden fruit fruit of liking a villain because if you start to explain the villain out then it's
0: okay to like him and if you make it okay to like him then
1: it's no longer forbidden fruit to like
0: well i think a lot of times uh like maleficent for example i don't think as the movie works because i think they did have to they they had to do too many mental gymnastics to make her a protagonist um but also, the most interesting villains, I find, are the ones that think they're right. And along with yeah. being right comes uh, an inherent, or at least to them, an inherent goodness. Like, what I'm doing is correct. And yeah. I think going to where they were able, where that person was formed, I think that's an interesting story. And I don't think it takes away from their
2: villainy overall. Right. Uh, my I- no, I think I think that's right. I think that I agree about Maleficent. And I think that the example that I always use with people is, if you look at Wicked as just a base example, uh, nothing that happens in Wicked by a squint test yeah. necessarily completely invalidates anything that happens in Wizard of Oz. Uh, that like everything that happened to Elphaba and Glinda prior to Dorothy arriving and their Mm -hmm. relationship and them going to Oz and the wizard and everything else, the part that where Dorothy shows up is sort of in the second act and sort of shoved to the side a little bit. And you understand why things happen the way they did, but they don't go out of their way to invalidate Wizard of Oz. I think the challenge with Maleficent and kind of to the point of getting to what I do and don't like about villain redemption stories where they are the protagonists is that Maleficent had to go out of its way to drastically change what happens in Sleeping Beauty. Like what happens in the original Disney Sleeping Beauty and what happens in the Maleficent movie are two completely different stories. Yeah. And so if you love Angelina Jolie, you think she's badass as Maleficent, which she looks amazing, you can watch it and love it. But for me, the way that they make the three good fairies, uh, Flora, Fauna, and Merryweather, like completely ridiculous and stupid, the yeah. way they kind of change everything around, it's too different. It, it ceases to resemble the story that I know. So I kind of do think when you, if you can go around the edges the way that Wicked does, and you can create a compelling story that sort of is additive um you know like most people don't know this but in the original version of the disney little mermaid the 89 little mermaid ursula was triton's sister uh and it's kind of mentioned like in the musical and some other places it's brought up occasionally um like where you'll be like oh ursula was triton's sister and it's like she says in the movie that you know when she used to live in the palace and -hmm. other stuff and even if you listen to an early uh on the little mermaid um sort of deluxe album that you can get on iTunes that has a lot of the early recordings and like early demos that Howard Ashman and Alan Menken did. They even specifically kind of mention Ursula as Triton's sister. So like, that's an interesting story. Triton and Ursula growing up together, her being the sister and him being the, you know, them both being royalty, like maybe there's a version there, but don't give me a version that is going to take away uh, my love of how evil she is in Little Mermaid. You know, It's, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky balance. It's a fine line.
1: I think that's uh, I I think that's how I feel. I think you kind of summed it up there in my mind. Like I have been, and I I appreciate you guys uh, uh, saying, okay to have this discussion, because that's what's been bothering me. I don't want them to destroy the story that originally birthed the source of this villain in an effort to redeem flesh out or explain this villain to make them more like we have this. Cruella DeVille. I mean, this is a woman that wanted to skin 101 puppies and make a coat out of it. So how are you going to redeem? And, and you cast Emma Stone because you want people to like her right from the beginning. So is this going to be how are we going to explain this situation? Is a Dalmatia going to be the ones that like ate her family or something? Like why are you going to redeem her situation? Cruella is still one of the people that they ab- people absolutely hate uh, as a villain.
2: Well, but I again, I think that you are equating likability to goodness and they are two different things like people love cruella Deville, despite sure. the fact that she is a uh dog skinning crazy lady with very very poor road skills um <laughs> but but like so i think that i think that casting emma stone as a young cruella Deville and creating this movie where we see her become the batshit crazy lady that we know, you know, like um, I just was, I was flipping through Amazon the other day and uh, I saw this movie that I haven't watched in years, but perfect Mm -hmm. example uh, election with Reese Witherspoon as Tracy Flick. Yeah, Tracy Flick is a horrible, horrible, horrible human being and is is great in that movie. So, I mean, like, I don't disagree with you. I don't need to see the movie that explains to me that Cruella DeVille's original name was, uh, you know, was Cindy DeVille and she was a poor little girl who just wanted to own a fur coat and just couldn't actually get two pennies together and struggled to build her empire and by the end we're like oh my god she's this amazing woman and then she went and killed puppies but if you give me a really kind of dark comedy about a character and you're like oh my god she's fucking crazy and where you want you sort of are rooting for her to be uh successful in business and ruin people because she's so evil and horrible then I mean I think that could be a lot of fun okay uh yeah all right all right uh is there any i
1: i think i i want to make sure we covered everybody that i texted you guys about because that's what was getting me on my mind yeah the rumor oh yeah the 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 Ursula. there's rumors that they're that ursula might not be as much of a villain in the live action version uh, as she was in the animated version that they might explain a little bit more. That's why you cast Melissa McCarthy. They want to make her a little bit more of a relatable person for why she's doing what she's doing,
2: Mike. Well, again, I mean, again, it's a fine line. Yeah. like Ursula having been kicked out of the palace at some point and giving us a little bit more explanation on why that is and why right. she wants revenge. And kind of to Shannon's point, why like, you know, like a Magneto is one of people's uh, yeah, favorite yeah. villains of all time. And we know exactly why he's doing what he's doing. And yeah. we understand where he's coming from. And we still are like, you're still the villain here, but we love watching him be the villain. I don't know that we'd necessarily need that with Ursula, but again, if they do it well and make her even more well-developed character, awesome. If they try and make her sympathetic and you're just like, yeah, you're still kind of horrible, you know, like, again, it can go both ways. It's all in the execution. I mean, you know, I thought that Joker was going to be a complete disaster movie and then really ended up enjoying it. So it really is all in the execution. And I also think it's only the execution of how you construct the villain, right? Like with Thanos,
1: I could totally see a prequel Thanos movie, and I'd be fine with that, to be honest with you, because I understood his logic. It made sense to me. Maybe the most unbiased, unracist, unmisogynistic, unxenophobic logic you've ever seen. Half the galaxy, I don't care what your social status is, what your color is, what your gender is, anything half the galaxy dead just to kind of give us some more breathing room again made sense to me uh what's his face uh uh that's well, that's Mom. horrifying well you know. <laughs> just, you know you do your but... thing and we'll see you know
2: because you know because you know if you pull a thanos on geek buddies it's me or shannon it's one of us is going that's how it works i might, <laughs> I might snap myself you never know Poof. Dust. yeah uh, i don't think thanos know. was gonna snap himself <laughs> <laughs>
1: I didn't say. That. <laughs> uh, but like, you know, that's the that's the thing that I and Killmonger, same thing, right? You understood Killmonger's point of view. So if you construct the villain where their intention or their impetus for what they're doing is relatable, at least enough, then that's a thing you can explore, I think, in a in a prequel or in a separate situation. Uh with Nurse Ratchet, there's none of that in one fool of the cuckoo's nest, other than the fact that she's trying to like you know, kind of, uh, navigate a room full of people who are certainly unstable, uh, but does it in such cruel manipulative ways. Uh, and of course was supposed to stand in for the American government trying to control, uh, the protests and people who were against Vietnam or whatever. It was essentially symbolic of that. So I, I, I'm curious to see how this all plays out, but you know, it's uh we've seen some good ones. Like you said, Mike Joker was fantastic. And, certainly the certainly clone wars redeems anakin like crazy or fleshes out anakin like crazy before we see the turn which only adds to the tragedy of his turn so and it adds to the fact when he comes back and becomes anakin before he
0: dies uh it adds more weight to that which i think is a good thing sure and add in fassbender's magneto i -hmm. mean we already were on board with ian mckellen but seeing how he became who he became that wasn't that was an interesting journey.
1: Yeah, and then seeing Ian and uh, and um, and Patrick in Days of Future Past when yeah. they kind of put things together and talk about why we wasted so much time fighting each other when we could have been uh, doing something else. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it stuff.
2: sounds like it sounds like you have less of a problem with making the villain the protagonist of their own story than you do doing it poorly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Fine. All right, just
1: to to, but poorly does not necessarily mean execution. Also, well, yeah, I guess that's all tied in, right? Because if you're going to mess with the original story, like you said with Maleficent, I don't like that. I don't like because if you start to turn Belle into the asshole of the story, I'm really not going to like that. And some people I've seen online do go after Belle and say she's an elitist and she makes fun of the town
2: as stupid. Well, she's the one that can read all of that. hmm. I love Beauty and the Beast. It is Uh top top movies Uh of all time. She does her whole opening song is going around and calling everyone around her provincial. I mean, it is. (laughs) She
1: basically. I'm better than you and you and you. Yeah,
2: basically. There goes the baker with his tray, like always. It's the same old bread girl. Like that's what it is. Like you know, like she she basically is like. (laughs) uh, And she's not wrong. Um, Look, it's one of the greatest Disney songs, so I'm not knocking on it. (laughs) No, but well, but I do think you bring up a good point, and I think this is where. Maleficent really lost me. And this is where Wicked smartly avoids this, uh, except I guess you could argue the wizard. But like, I think that in telling your villain story, if you're out there and you're wanting to do your version of like, I'm going to make Gargamel the hero of his story, (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) or Mumra, or Cobra Commander, or whoever (laughs) it is, um, I think that you can't, you can't. tell a villain's story at your hero's expense. Right. Uh, I I think that making your heroes of your story shitty the way that Maleficent kind of did with the three fairies, yeah. uh, I think that's where you sort of lose it. Like had Dorothy shown up in Wicked and just been like a crazy bitch? you would have been like man that's Dorothy Gale from Kansas get the fuck out of here yeah right uh, and I think that, and, I, and so i think that's like a key thing though i think that i think that you sort of have to avoid it because i think you're right i don't think you i don't think you can make ursula the hero by making ariel the bad guy yeah, right, triton right. triton who sort of is yes. the emotional antagonist of little mermaid uh, right. as far as his relationship with his daughter you could make him yes. make some shitty decisions and I think people would be okay with that. But if you caught up to Little Mermaid and all of a sudden Ariel showed up and was like, "Listen, bitch, you're gonna do what I want," everybody would be like, "Whoa, slow your roll." <laughs> and so I think with Gaston or Scar or any of these people, I think a good rule of thumb would be don't don't uh, don't shit on your hero. Like right. tell stories around it, add other characters, add different circumstances, right. jump way back in the past and sidestep the main story completely. There's a lot of ways that you can do it, but don't rewrite history. Just add to history. That's my greatest fear is we'll get a Stromboli where it's like, look, look, I, my whole
1: family is going to suffer and starve if I didn't get me a boy, a Pinocchio or the other or like Bambi's, <laughs> the guy who shot Bambi's mom. We were starving. We needed food. You know, I don't want any of that
2: shit. I want I want that. I want to do an animated short. I want to do an animated short about a dad trying to provide for his kids and he like goes hunting. And you just find out at the very, very end that it's like the hunter that killed Bambi's mom. And you're he like, just, well yeah. now I'm now I'm really torn. I don't really know what to do with this.
1: <laughs> <You're> just <laughs> carrying in the, the in the darkness, you just hear, Mom? Ah,
2: right. uh, you know, I mean, I think yeah. this is what I mean, again, enough for nothing, and then we could probably, you know. Yeah call it or whatever, but like sure. I think that one of the reasons that uh in comic books people say Batman has the greatest rogues gallery mm. is because so many of them actually are sympathetic. Like when you know the story of uh. Harvey Dent or you know the story of Mr. Freeze, uh most of Batman's villains have pretty tragic backstories where they were the victim uh, of society or of love or of something where they sort of went down a bad path. And it doesn't take away from the fact that now they're a fucking crazy person. Right. But it does make them a little bit deeper than villains in other comic book series where it's just like a dude in a costume. I mean, Batman also has characters like Kite Man and Condiment King. So, you know, what are you going to do? But.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now I want the Smurfs uh, prequel. I do. I do too. Gargamel. Yeah. When he he went by Gary and he was a vegetarian. (laughs) And he was totally
1: cool. <laughs> and these Smurfs showed up, were eating all his food, and <laughs> eating friends, all, his, eating all of his garden. His family died because they couldn't eat, so they saved food just for
2: him to survive. I'm get- I can do it, man. I'm gonna come up with my Gargamel. Uh, <laughs> call it Gargle, Gargle, <laughs> Gargle. That's the name of it. It's gonna be. I'm gonna make it a
1: musical. All right. Anyway, I think that was a fun discussion. uh, And I hope you all we hope you all enjoyed uh, listening to it or watching it as much as we enjoyed talking about it. Thank you so much for joining us for another week of the Geek Buddies, uh, either on podcast form or on YouTube. Shannon, what can we tell them?
0: Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. I've also got a new comedy reel. If you want to go to IMDB, oh! and look up Shannon McClung. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at mktoon. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at the Roca Says.
2: Uh, don't be the origin of our villain story. Uh, like us below. Don't send us down a bad road. Uh, leave us some comments, uh, retweet us. Uh, if you are listening to us on Apple podcasts or Spotify or anchor, uh, leave some ratings there, leave some stars. Uh, you know, if you're watching us here on YouTube, definitely like joining the conversation below, uh, you know, link to us on Twitter, link, post us on Facebook, tell your friends to check us out. Um, yeah, we don't want to become bad guys. Broca will get really, really upset if you don't do these things. He might snap one of us out of existence. It could go down a bad road.
1: <laughs> not yet uh i i please don't forget to subscribe to the channel down below as well like we're trying to march towards fifteen thousand subscribers you know and uh, get get more people involved so please listen to what mike and shannon laid out please do that all of that uh and if you're listening to us later uh, make sure you hit that like button. It's really important. All right, that's it. I think that's everything. And I do want to say one last thing. If I know, if I can plug something on the channel coming up tonight. If you're listening to us when this drops tonight, our uh, first episode of Impolite Truths, my new political show here on the Outlaw Nation channel. Me and my fellow Latin- Latinx a uh, lady in charge, Dorina Adeliano, joins me uh, for the show. We will be doing that every other Thursday. A new episode will drop live for you all to come aboard and have conversations. Hopefully, these two gentlemen will join us as guests as we tackle some issues that they feel strongly about down the road. All right. Thanks to everybody for watching us. For Shannon McClaw and Michael Vogel, I'm John Roca, and we'll talk to you next time for a brand-new episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey!